Welcome into Dogpile Podcast. I'm Matt Wyatt in the Farm Bureau Studio, Farm Bureau Insurance, your hometown heroes, local agents in all 82 counties across the state of Mississippi. What's up, Mississippi State fans? Appreciate you tuning into the podcast, the Dogpile Podcast. And just a reminder, if you would, when you share this with your fellow fans and friends and others, uh, include the hashtag Dogpile, hashtag Dogpile That'll help us keep track of what everybody's saying. Since at this point, I don't have a dedicated Twitter account for the podcast. So just use that hashtag, hashtag dogpile. Thanks a lot. All right. So one weekend in the books, we're going to recap that now. The podcast here presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Visit mslandbank.com. Anything land related. Listen up. If you're in North Mississippi, you want to buy land for any reason, farmland, hunting land, building a dream home. Maybe you have some property you want to sell or you're just looking. Put it this way, anything land related, questions or answers that you're looking for, uh, go to Mississippi Land Bank, find the branch office nearest you at mslandbank.com. Also presented by Country Please and Sausage. Have you had some? Because if, if you have, you're going to be nodding your head in agreement with everything I'm about to tell you. Listen, Country Please and Sausage. It's made right here in Mississippi, fresh every day. It's a great Mississippi company, and it is the best sausage you've ever put on your plate or in your mouth, for that matter. It's hand-picked hams, bacons, and pork loins. There's no junk, no stuff, no parts that go into the making of this sausage. It's hand-picked, the real deal uh, ingredients, and you can tell as soon as you take a bite. It's leaner. They make it in small batches right there at the plant in Florence, Mississippi, right on Highway 49. And yes, they do have a butcher shop out front. You can just stop in there in Florence and and buy or search or talk or whatever you want to do. The sausage is coarse ground. They don't smoke it over sawdust. It's hickory logs that they split them every day. It makes a better smoke. It's a stronger flavor. Natural casings. It's a four-hour process they put it through. And every package is hand-cut, and you can tell when you pick up a package of country-pleasing sausage. All right, let's start off with highlights of what it sounded like on the radio this weekend on the call from Jim Ellis of Learfield IMG College. But first, a message from Nest and Wild. Nest and Wild are making mattresses, and they're delivering them right to your door. You can sleep better, and you will sleep better, on a Nest and Wild mattress. Quality, first and foremost. Every mattress at Nest every mattress at Nest and Wild is 12 inches thick. Not like a lot of brands that are 8 inches or 10 inches. Everyone from twin size right up to the California King, 12-inch thick mattress. Everything is 100% American made at Nest and Wild. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to nestandwild.com. Order your mattress and use code BULLY20, that's B-U-L-L-Y-2-0, use code BULLY20. You'll get 20% off of all sizes and bases, and you'll get a free pillow top mattress pad with your order. And the mattress will show up on your doorstep in three to five days. That's at nestandwild.com, use code BULLY20. All right, here are those highlights from the radio call with Jim Ellis. 3-1 pitch, little looper, will it drop? Got a chance, and it does. And it will score a pair. Runner goes to third, another to second. 
A pop fly that got in the right place and dropped. Strike three called inside corner. Anglin didn't think so. Strikeout number eight for the left-hander Christian McLeod. He's had a pretty auspicious debut. Eric Sarantola trying to get out of the inning, and here it comes. And he got him on another good hard slider. There's a ball, a little fly ball. Got a chance to drop in there for a base hit. And that is going to score a pair and a big hit by Cameron James once again. Chris Lamonis joining us. And, uh, Coach, congratulations. A good weekend for the Bulldogs. Yeah, we're excited. Um, you know, that's a really good team. I just told our guys um, at the end of the year you'll look up and they'll have 40 wins. And um, for us to come out and play pretty clean baseball most of the weekend was uh, good to see. I know one thing that uh, that you and Coach Foxhall and the staff were interested to see how Eric Sarantola would, would fare in his first outing. He went four innings, 79 pitches. Your thoughts? That was pretty much what we thought we'd get right there. It's, uh, you know, some accounts run away from him a little bit, but I was pretty pleased. He had two really clean innings and uh, found his stuff, and uh, his stuff is electric. And we just feel like we got to get him out there and pitch him. We feel like he's going to get better every time we throw him. And, um, you know, I was pretty pleased. He competed. Um, not perfect, but he competed. You got Landon Sims back out there after having a shaky outing on Friday. You had to, I would think, like what you saw today. Oh, he was great. I, I thought all our guys out of the pen were great today. I mean, when you run one, 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 you know, you're worried sometimes you're going to have one guy not be on his day. But I thought our guys really went out there, pounded the zone, and they threw their breaking balls for strikes. I mean, we really pitched. Um, we were able to mix them up a little bit. And the one thing that uh, you have to be pleased with uh, – Playing in this facility before the crowds we've had this weekend, it makes it a lot of fun uh, way to open a season, but it it just sort of gives you an idea, and particularly for the younger guys, what it's going to be like throughout the year. Well, we have an incredible facility because of a great fan base. And I really, we had a lot of great fans here this weekend, but how about our students? Our students were out here Friday in the cold. Unfortunately, I don't think they went to class, but uh, we had our students out here all weekend. And that makes a big difference for us. I mean, that right field and that berm down the right field line, it makes our place a really tough place to play. And we love having them out here. All right, so that's kind of what it sounded like on the radio, those calls from Jim Ellis and Learfield IMG College. And, of course, uh, in the post game with um, head coach Chris Lamonis. That was a post game on Sunday. So the, um, you know, the series sweeping win uh, for the weekend. And we'll look around the SEC and what others did. It was just a good weekend for the SEC, as you would expect. Uh, but let's go back. Friday night's game or, or Friday afternoon's game after it got moved up a little bit because of uh, the cold uh, temperatures that day, which is a good decision because I think it really helped the crowd and everybody had a better experience. State won the first one nine to six, and uh, when you look at JT Ginn, the start on the mound for him going in, they pretty much put it out there publicly. You know, he's a guy who will be on a pitch count in the early part of the year, and that's what they stuck with. He threw fifty-eight pitches in three innings of work. Fifty-eight pitches in three innings of work. 38 of the 58 pitches for Ginn were strikes, so he was in the strike zone. He faced 13 batters. You look at the results. Um, One extra base hit in the 13 batters that he faced. That was a triple. He got three ground ball outs. He's keeping the ball down. And four strikeouts. Now, yeah, okay, so there's two runs on three hits mixed in there. And he had one pitch that got away from him, but 
when you when you look, there's really only one negative. Okay, so it's a team that they hit him and they put the bat on the ball three times, and it netted two runs. But part of the reason it netted two runs, there's some walks mixed in there. So he had two walks. That's really the only kind of sort of negative. I know there's a lot of people out there wondering, okay, you know, is this a sign to come? Are we going to see three, four innings out again the whole way? No, I don't think so at all. I mean, they're going to let him kind of work his way up to being someone who's going to throw twice the innings to twice the number of pitches at times that you saw in this opener. But going in, that's what they said they were going to do. That pitch counts somewhere between 55 to 65 pitches. He happened to be at 58 at the end of three innings, and they jumped right into the bullpen. And so, you know, I don't see it as some big negative, honestly. Again, you know, he faced 13 batters. You strike out four of them. You get three ground ball outs. And of the three hits that he allowed in those 13 batters, only one of them is an extra base hit. So, you know, yeah, I mean, he can be dominant and be better, but that's kind of what they were going to do, and that's what they did. At the plate, State was good. You know, he jumped out to the lead. Um, Wright State came back in there, tied it up in the top of the fifth, and then State immediately answered and took the game back over in the fifth and sixth. Had a big sixth inning with six runs in that uh, frame. They outhit Wright State in the opener 10-8, to outscored them 9-6. But, you know, you look at it also, State was helped by – there were four Wright State errors in that ball game. So that helped State. But they put the bat on the ball, 10 hits for State – Rowdy Jordan at the top of the lineup was good. Two for four in the opener with two runs he drove in. He scored twice. He drew a walk once. So he was on base three times. Uh, Westberg had a hit in the ball game and and scored a run. Allen, you know Tanner Allen, your right fielder, your three hole hitter. He was over four in that first game, but you know on end of the game he fouled one off his knee, and that's what caused him to not be able to play really the rest of the weekend. Or the reason they sat him out the rest of the weekend is to make sure he was okay there. But really, I mean, so much of the production in that Friday game came at the bottom of the lineup. Uh, Josh Hatcher was two for four in the ball game, had a double and scored twice. Uh, Cameron James, the freshman third baseman, who was outstanding on the weekend, was two for four, got his career started off right. And then uh, Landon Jordan, the DH, Four times to the plate, he's on base four times with two hits and two walks, scored a run. So they were, you know, out of the bottom three spots of your lineup in that Friday game, let's see, you're four for eight between Hatcher and James, and then uh, six for ten. So the bottom three spots in your lineup are six for ten, scored four runs, and were on base a whole bunch. So um, that was a theme throughout the weekend is kind of, Guys, really throughout the lineup, top to bottom, there were no weak spots against Wright State pitching for State. So they win game one, nine six. You flip it over to Saturday, game two. Um, I was not on the call for Friday. That was Charlie and Bart on SEC Plus. So I watched it on the computer Friday night or afternoon. And then uh, I was on the call with Bart for Saturday and Sunday. So S- Saturday was my first day to be there in person this year. And for a game, and and it was bright sunshine, which was really nice. State wins the game six to two, and the story: there were some bright spots at the plate. Certainly, uh, Logan Tanner, primarily the catcher, but the bright spot on Saturday was Christian McLeod. You know, we had heard so much, and you'd picked up so many signs from the coaching staff, little comments here and there about 
how good they thought he could be, how much they were expecting from him, and didn't really want to get out over their skis, I think. But at times I'd pick up just in, again, talking to Coach Lamonis, you boy, he's, he's really confident that this guy is going to be big time. You could just tell. And man, it did not take long to see that. And he was absolutely lights out on Saturday. And the numbers tell you that. If you didn't get to see it, the numbers really back it up. So McLeod, lefty, big lefty, he faced 17 batters and struck out 11 of them. Uh, He threw 77 pitches, and 51 of those were strikes. And the thing about that is he wasn't just pumping fastballs that couldn't hit. It was everything. He's throwing you know, three pitches, fastball, off-speed breaking ball, and changeup. He's a lefty, and all three, he's commanding the strike zone, used every bit of the strike zone, and it was really, really impressive. A one-hit outing for him in five innings, so 77 pitches across five innings, faces 17 batters, strikes out 11, walked one, gave up only one hit. The one hit he did give up was a, a double, an extra base hit. And here's the other thing about it. Three ground ball outs mixed in there. No fly ball outs. So at no point on Saturday when it was a little warmer and was a right state hitter really able to elevate a baseball, it shows you something that we thought we were seeing, and that is very Ethan Small-esque in pitch selection, Um in the way he throws that fastball, in velocity of the fast, he actually throws the fastball harder than Ethan Small did. But you can see it; it's that four seam deal that really has that high spin rate. And so when it's up, he's living up around their their chest and their gut and their belt, but they're under the baseball. And then he comes in there, change up breaking ball, and every now and then got a ground ball, but it was just mostly swings and misses. Um, I, I mean, it was just incredibly encouraging what you saw from Christian McLeod. He he looked like, in that outing on Saturday, with everything combined, not only size and stature out on the mound, but just rhythm, mechanics, consistency, location, velocity, he is the spitting image of a Friday night starter in the SEC with a chance to be a first-round pick. Now you go, well, Matt, hold on, hold on. He's been out there for one game. I know. So I'm not saying I'm saying that's the look of it. If he goes out and continues to repeat those kinds of performances, you're talking about a high draft pick. So I'm not putting too much on him now. But in little ways, you know, and he he sat there and watched Ethan Small operate all of last year and saw how effective pitch selection and how to work in the the fastball up versus the breaking ball down and um he was just really good. So I think that he probably is the number one bright spot in the w- entire weekend for Mississippi State. And they they brought in Bednar, uh, the newcomer, to pitch in relief after McLeod. Bednar, a right-hander who came in and threw three innings, he faced 14 batters, struck out four. But he had a couple of pitches got away from him. They did hit him three times. So he had three hits that he allowed, but only one of those an extra base hit. And they elevated the ball on him. He got no ground ball outs, but a bunch of fly outs. So it was a, a totally different look. It changed it up on him. And, and he was pretty good. He was effective. You know, he walked two. That'd be the only negative. But but again, he shows you that he's got the arm and the ability to be a big piece of your bullpen and just needs to log some innings. 
And at the plate in the Saturday game, Westberg, a pretty good day, two for five, a couple of hard hit balls. But then again, you know, Cameron James was the star on Saturday. Another two hit, he had two hits in his career opener. And then he goes two for three on Saturday with a couple of RBIs and that double that drove in two early runs. He drew a walk, so he was on base three times in the in the game. And when he came up there with people on base, he only left one of those on base that he didn't drive in throughout the day. So uh, James continued that, the, the freshman third baseman, a big weekend. But Logan Tanner kind of stole the show at the plate, the freshman catcher. He had three hits, including that solo home run that was an absolute rocket, a 100-mile-an-hour exit line drive. It did not get up very high, didn't have to. He just got all of it. Um, he had a double in the game, too, so he was a triple away from the cycle. And he had a really good day at the plate. State won on Saturday, six to two, and then they uh, on yesterday completed the sweep, five to one, the final, uh, getting the sweep. And a little bit like McLeod the day before, it was kind of Sarantola, the starter on the mound, that sort of stole the show, so to speak. But it was a very different outing than what you saw from McLeod the day before. Day before McLeod goes out, throws those five innings, and is just dominant. They cannot touch him. Eleven strikeouts, N- really no blemishes. Well, Sarantola, you know, in the first inning, top of the first, got in some trouble, had to pitch out of. Uh, I think it was bases loaded there in the first inning. Uh, was dominant in the top half of the second inning. I think three strikeouts in that top half of the second. I know it was two at least, and then came back in the third, and got a little trouble again, where you know they had base runners, and then. I think he walked one, and then they wound up loading the bases. He has to pitch his way out of that. So two of the first three innings that he was on the mound, he's got base runners. But what is so positive about it is he was able to, with those base runners, find his best stuff, hit his best locations with it. All it would have taken is another walk or two from him or a missed location or two, and those innings are going to blow up on him. But he didn't let it happen. He pitched his best when his back was sort of squarely against the wall. And that shows you a toughness and a competitiveness that you really wanted to see out of him. Because with all of those things that he's still learning how to pitch, you know, his stuff, his repertoire, if you will, of pitches is absolutely electric. Um, If you were to talk about upside and potential, maybe JT Ginn in there is number one. But it, it, he's right. Sarantola's right there with him. Sarantola's 6'5", a, a Canada kid, a former hockey player. And in four innings of work, he got the win. He pitched four innings. And even though there were two rough spots in the first and the third, you look, 79 pitches, 48 of those were strikes, faces 17 batters and strikes out eight of them. He only got the one ground ball out and only gave up one extra base hit. And all in all, only two hits, but the three walks. That's the thing, is you just circle the three walks for Sarantola. That's the only blemish in his day and in his outing. No runs on two hits, and he struck out eight. And you go, well, that doesn't sound negative at all. Well, it wasn't. It's just that, you know, mixed in there two different times, there's a walk or two. And, you know, his, his fastball had the best velocity of anybody that went out there on the mound this weekend, maybe outside of Logan Sims, the freshman, who came in and pitched an inning of relief, faced three batters, and struck all three out yesterday on Sunday. 
I mean, he was Sims was consistently, you know, 95, 94, 95 with his fastball. Sarantola also consistently 94, 95, 96, ran it up there even more. Somebody told me the board at one point said 100. If it did, I missed it. But the best velocity you saw out of anybody on top of uh, his mechanics and that tall 6'5 frame, the ball comes out of his hand, that two-seamer, and at times that fastball is running from one side of the plate to the other. It, it has incredible natural movement on it. And then when he started mixing in the other two pitches, if you go back and watch some of the highlights, you'll see every now and then he froze a batter with that kind of a 12-6 breaking ball is what it looks like anyway because of his over-the-top. Um, and when he throws that breaking ball for a strike and it's coming in there at, you know, 84, um, you know, 10 miles an hour off. And then he throws a changeup that has a similar run on it, you know, away from a lefty into a righty, but it falls because it's a changeup and it's coming in there at 82, 83. And when he threw it for strikes, when he was, let's just put it this way, when he was in the strike zone, his stuff was unhittable. It had nothing to do with the opponent and it will have nothing to do with the opponent. It's just, that's a matter of fact. When when his release point is where it is and was for eight of those 17 batters yesterday, and it's in the strike zone on all three pitches, he is just about unhittable. And so you go, well, he was a guy who he ran into some control issues in the middle of last season, and even in the preseason stuff and scrimmages here, he's walked some guys. Well, yeah, and you know why they still ran him out there as a Sunday starter? Because they know one of these days – you keep logging some innings, and and that three walks in that four innings is going to go down to one, and those eight strikeouts are going to go to ten because his stuff is that good. Um, and that will be what it is throughout the year. You know, if he has a day where he's having a hard time with control, you know, it could snowball on him. That's just SEC baseball. But you're also going to see sometimes this year where he's going to step out there on Sundays against these SEC lineups, and he's going to have it working and dialed in, and mechanically he's going to be consistent, and they are not going to be able to touch him. And uh, I promise you, even after just one performance yesterday, there are these scouts and these people that I guarantee you right now need another napkin to, I know this is gross, but to wipe up the drool. They are drooling over this kid already because you could see some of it yesterday. And then at the plate in the Sunday game, seven hits for State, scored the five runs, the top of the lineup, like in game one, it was the bottom of the lineup. Uh, game three, the top. You had a two-for-four day from Rowdy Jordan, scored two runs with a double. A two-for-four day from uh, Jordan Westberg, scored two runs with a double and drove one in. Uh, so he was good. You know, Hatcher had some good at-bats, and he drove in a run during the course of the day, too. And Foscu. Drove in another run. He's your leading RBI man after the weekend, even though he had only two base hits. Both of them were doubles for the weekend. Cameron James, another big hit. One for four, but he drove in two runs with that uh, with that one base hit early in the ballgame. So when you look at stats, Cameron James came out of the weekend as your team's leading hitter. Just simply because he's got, you know, he was uh, five for 11 on the weekend. Rowdy Jordan was also, so the, both those guys kind of the same there. But Cameron James, four RBIs. On the weekend, Rowdy with three. Um, Cameron James, a pleasant surprise there. A double for him. Scored one run, but drove in a bunch. I mentioned Foskey. He's got the most RBIs after the weekend. Drove in five. 
but only a couple of hits for him. Both of them were doubles. So he was moving people around, kind of an extra base threat, and just missed one. Got under it just a little bit yesterday that, you know, a difference of an inch on the barrel or less, and he drives it out of there to left field. Uh, Jordan Westberg also had five hits. He was up there 13 times and uh, drove in one run. And let's see, yeah, scored four. So, you know, you look at guys crossing the plate, you're one and two. Rowdy Jordan scored four runs over the weekend. Jordan Westberg stepped on the plate four times. Hatcher, four hits on the weekend and drove in a run. You had uh, Landon Jordan, uh, three hits. He was on base a bunch, as I told you. He drew some walks. He leads the team in that category. He was a nine-hole hitter this weekend, or, or was on Friday, and then down at the bottom the next two days, and they they walked Landon three different times. So he had good, productive at-bats. Logan Tanner, three hits, two of them extra basers, a home run, and a double. And uh, so there you go. And on the mound, if you want to talk about the one thing I haven't really touched on much, and that's your bullpen, you look at your top, what, six guys. So they brought seven different, well, eight different pitchers onto the mound, out of the bullpen, across the entire weekend. And Shimper, the lefty, a junior college kid who pitched on Friday, then again on Sunday, Riley Self, who pitched in back-to-back days, and then uh, Landon Sims, who pitched on Friday and Sunday, and then Forrester also pitched on Friday and Sunday. Those are the only guys who made multiple appearances out of the pen this weekend. And um, the one guy who got roughed up out of the pen was back on Friday, uh, Carlisle Kessler. So a total of eight. If you were to look at your top you know, six or seven guys out of the pen – throughout the weekend and just kind of, if you want to go positive spin and just don't consider the one guy who got roughed up, then it was a really productive weekend for them too. I think encouraging. Uh, Landon Sims, who figures to be your closer, saw him yesterday, what he's capable of. He goes and just mows down three hitters with 95 mile or fastballs and they all swing and miss and he's three batters, three strikeouts. But when he pitched on Friday, he was nervous as all get out. He couldn't get his feet to work. You could tell he's shaking and, he walked somebody, never recorded an out, had to go take a, a breath, and it kind of brought him back down to earth. But he was himself yesterday on Sunday. Some encouraging uh, pitches thrown from Spencer Price and Riley Self out of the pen, uh, a couple of veterans, really the only two veterans that, that came out of the pen and, and that you saw. But Shemper was good, the lefty, two appearances, and uh, actually recorded a save. I guess that was back on Friday, but two appearances, two innings, Struck out one, walked one, but didn't give up any hits. And so of the guys who came out of the bullpen this weekend and threw innings, Shimper, two innings of hitless baseball. Patrick Chase, a couple of innings of hitless baseball. He did walk a couple. You had Price, who threw an inning, uh, did not give up a hit and struck out three. And then you had uh, Landon Sims. He didn't get hit because he didn't last. He, he walked two guys his first outing. But then goes in there yesterday and goes uh, an inning of hitless baseball and struck out three. So all in all, a pretty good weekend. Uh, to wrap it up with you, SEC results. Um, let's see. Got teams who swept this weekend, obviously State. But in the East, you have Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee. All won three games they swept. Uh, in the West, with Mississippi State, you have Alabama, A&M, Arkansas, and Auburn. Uh, they all swept. Auburn played four games somehow, or at least it's listed that way. Uh, Missouri played Jacksonville State, a good team, and 
took two out of three. I think Jacksonville State uh, salvaged a game yesterday. Vanderbilt, you know, kind of played the round robin thing. They went one and two. They beat UConn, but had a one run loss to Michigan and a one run loss then yesterday to Cal Poly. So Vandy starts one and two. Kentucky got swept by TCU. And um, what else? Oh, LSU. Who did LSU play? LSU dropped a game. They took two out of three from somebody. I'll look it up and see who they played. And then, of course, uh, really big news. Ole Miss took two out of three from Louisville. Louisville went in there as the number one team in the country, and uh, they won the first one. And then Ole Miss able to back end that series, won the last two. So they took two out of three at home in Oxford. Uh, It was Indiana. LSU playing Indiana and took two out of three from them. So kind of what you expected around the league. All right, so that'll wrap it up. I appreciate you listening in to the first weekend of the season recap here on the Dogpile Podcast, presented by Mississippi Land Bank, by Country Pleasing Sausage, and in part by Nest and Wild Mattresses. Get yours at nestandwild.com. And I'll see you next time on Dogpile. See you then. See you.